Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. Defense Department has spent over a trillion dollars on the most cutting-edge robot technology. Introducing RoboSanta Plus for the upcoming holiday season. What are you going to do this fine Christmas Eve? I was potentially going to go meet up with a dude. I've blown him off twice already, so come on, get a drink with your old pal, Robbie. What's up with you two? I uh, just grabbed a drink. I talk her out of some tender trash. You didn't oh. talk me out of anything. Oh, yeah. Christmas! Christmas! Humbug. Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas! New animatronic state-of-the-art Santa Claus featured at our own TW Bonkers is now the subject of an international recall. Santa? from the boys down at the scene yet. They're still down there counting bodies. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 487. Releasing the 7-9 on Shudder is Christmas Bloody Christmas, a sci-fi horror that stars Riley Dandy as a fiery record store owner, whose plans of spending Christmas Eve in a state of alcohol-fueled debauchery is interrupted by an axe-wielding life-size robotic Santa gone haywire, a neon-drenched, blood-soaked Christmas treat backed by an excellent soundtrack and featuring terrific performances. Christmas Bloody Christmas is the latest film by acclaimed genre filmmaker Joe Begos. I'm glad to say he joins me now on the podcast. Joe, thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thank you. It's really interesting. I'm just reading up about the making of this film. From what I understand, you were approached to do like a remake of um, um, Silence, uh, Deadly Night, and it didn't go as planned, but you had an idea of making your own Christmas movie, and you wanted to like take your love for a movie like Terminator that you saw when you were a kid and meld kind of those two films together. Was that pretty much kind of like the the starting point for what we're seeing now on Christmas, Bloody Christmas? Um, yeah, sort of the, but, but the pitch or the treatment that I handed in for the Silent Night Deadly remake was 
exactly Christmas, bloody Christmas. Like it was beat for beat. That was like everything that happened, like the locations, the set pieces, everything. So um, that was pretty, it was pretty well fleshed out. So when they turned it down because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't close enough to the original and the fans would be upset. It's like, well, you're right. I guess it's not. So I'll just uh, fucking turn it into original script. So I just expanded the treatment, you know, and took on, uh, made it into a um, feature script and it got financed like surprisingly fast. And um, I got more money as a budget than the remake of Sonic that it had slotted for it. So, so it all just worked out all, all your way, which is awesome because the movie that I saw on you a couple of days ago, is just so incredibly fantastic. One of my favorite horror movies of the year. I think what makes it so great as well is the performance by Riley Nandy. Um, she's really interesting in that. She's kind of like a Christmas movie kind of like, you know, uh, kind of sore in a sort of way. She's really is a leading lady of all these Christmas movies. In fact, I think she's got like three out this year. None yeah, of them so one is coming out in HBO Max in like two hours. It's like it's a Warner Brothers movie, but it's like a comedy. So, well, about to turn that on its head. <laughs> and the other one's like a Netflix film. Um, very different to what we've seen in Christmas Bloody Christmas, where it, to me, it seems to me that the, the, her, her character of Tori it's kind of like has influences from like the likes of Sarah Connor and Ripley from the Alien series, but with a harder edge. Is that pretty much the inspiration that you had in, in the creation of this character in your movie, those two characters specifically? Um, not specifically. I mean, there are shades of them, I guess. I mean, honestly, she's just I just wrote a character that was like me. Um, but if it was a, a gal who ran a record store, um, you know, a lot of those opinions are mine. And, um, you know, some of that spreads into Sam too. Like the, you know, he has some of my opinions that are, you know, work for the sake of dynamic of their um, relationship. You know, I put onto him, but like, I kind of just wrote myself as like a cool chick who would <laughs> run a record store. And then, you know, um, the things that she has to do to kind of survive, you know, it, it's not necessarily like realistic things that like, you know, I feel like I would do, but it's kind of like movie, like uh movie common sense, I guess, so to speak. So I think movie kind of logic. Like, yeah, so I guess kind of in a way like, you know, Ripley in Alien 1 or Sarah Connor in, a in uh, Terminator 1 more so than they are in the sequels. But, yeah, they're kind of just thrust into these uh, situations and forced to survive, but they have like a cooler starting point, you know. Um, horror fan. They're, they're basically a horror fan. You know, she's a horror fan who gets thrown into the situation. Speaking of those opinions you said before about the characters that, that um, they had, I'm a big heavy metal fan, as I know you are as well. And I just want to get some cl clarification in regards to some of the debates in the film. Yeah. If I like Van Halen post David Lee Roth, and I also think that Super Unknown is the best Soundgarden album, would I be correct or not correct? Um, those are two opinions that uh, I do not share with the lead character. I like Van Hagar. <laughs> I like Van um, Hagar, yeah. I don't think it's better. I think it's a lateral move. Yep. Um, no. uh, so I like all that stuff. And... Um, I think that uh, Super Unknown is a really great Soundgarden album. I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's awesome. And I also really like Down on the Upside. Me um, too. I just had to use that as like for sake of her argument, um, because, you know, I do think load sucks and like, <laughs> but like uh, just for sake of her argument, you know, it's like, I know that Chris Cornell cut his hair off and people gave him a lot of shit for that, but I don't think that the music got, I, I don't think that he cut it in a way to like change his image or anything like that, because I feel like it's Soundgarden, you know, and Super Unknown is fucking awesome. So uh, yeah, those, I don't agree with her on those ones. Um, I think Super Unknown rules and uh yeah. Down on the Upside's got my favorite Soundgarden song in Tighter and Tighter. It's one of my uh, favorite songs of theirs. So um, yeah, yeah, cool. album. I agree. That song fucking rules. It does. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by Tee Public. 
TeePublic is the world's largest marketplace for independent creators to sell their work on the highest quality merchandise. With over 1.2 million designs, TeePublic is sure to have something you will love. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by Amazon, the world's leading online store Amazon is your first stop to buy a wide range of products at competitive prices with fast delivery times. Amazon is also a world-class entertainment hub that includes Prime Video, Audible, Twitch, Amazon Music, and more. Sign up with Amazon today and experience the best in online shopping and entertainment. Please support Matt's movie reviews on Patreon. Get access to exclusive content, request movie reviews and top 10 lists, and help support my work. Please click on the Patreon link in the description below. I want to talk about uh, the use of uh, practical effects and just a kind of like a really kind of old school approach you have to your filmmaking, especially in regards to Christmas Bloody Christmas. You shot on film, 16 millimeters, um, and also you have an animatronic robot in the movie. I mean, how cool is that to be able to work on something like that? What's the experience like working with animatronics? Because I'm not sure if that's something you've ever done before with the with the movies that you've done previously. No, it's uh, the first time I've done it. It's something I've always wanted to do. Um, so, like, you know, it never really worked out. Like, I wanted to do kind of little animatronic pieces for other movies, like just like, you know, people's heads and stuff like that. But it never really worked out. But for this, we had to. And, you know, my makeup effects team who I've used in my last four movies um, also love animatronic stuff. So, like, it was kind of a field day for us. And we had the budget to supplement to actually build a robot. Um so, I mean, it was fucking awesome. And it was like a learning experience for all of us who were technically R&Ding our animatronic. This is like an animatronic school for us because, you know, I want to do a sequel. We both, they, their dream movie, my dream movie is a werewolf movie, which will be animatronic. So like, this is kind of a breeding ground for that if that movie mm -hmm. ever gets financed. Um, but it was awesome. And it was funny because the, you know, the last scene where the, it's a full, animatronic robots like eight pages or something and we had 11 days to shoot that and we still couldn't get everything because the robot kept fucking like breaking and it would need to be you know um not only would the place need to be like cleared out because we were shooting in a historical like a historical building that i was flooding <laughs> um so like we would need to clean up all the water in between every take just so the place didn't get ruined and the robot would always go down and um i was just it was getting frustrating because we'd be down for three or four hours waiting for the robot to be fixed and it was like and my makeup effects people are like, well, Joe, you got to cut us some slack. You, um, you know, not only want to take this giant $250,000 piece of electronic equipment that we built and soak it with gallons of water, but you simultaneously want to rig explosions to it <laughs> and you expect it to hold up. And it's like, well, yeah, but it's going to look fucking awesome. So, <laughs> you know? so uh, we ended up getting, you know, we did some pickups in LA to try and help fix some stuff out like that but it was i mean it was awesome to work with and like when that thing came to life on set i think it was making everybody super excited that it was you know actually on set working and you know that's another thing with practical effects it's like if that was going to be a, a cg it would be like a, a green tennis ball thing moving around but like that fucking robot comes stomping on set and everybody's like oh shit what the fuck you know same thing with film suddenly you're loading in a mag and that motherfucker's whirring and buzzing and burning everybody's like oh shit you know <laughs> better fucking be on the top of my game so um yeah, I just love the aesthetic of doing all that stuff. You know, film's one of the only industries, uh, movie making is one of the only industries in the world where everything's went backwards, which is fucking, I don't understand it. Like, you know, whether you like digital or not, it's a scientific fact that it's inferior to film. You know, whether you agree or d disagree, it, it's a fact that 
CG is inferior to David Fincher can't get CG blood right. How the fuck am I going to get CG blood right? So like having it tangible and being able to direct it and not have somebody else direct it somewhere else that I have no control over. Like that's how movies should be made. And I wish that we had the ability, like I wish that animatronics didn't go by the wayside and the best technicians in this industry had the past 20 years to like push that envelope and build that shit, but they don't. So like there hasn't been advancements in that stuff. Whereas you go look at like theme parks and they are advancing. And I'm trying to look at the avatar ride in like Japan, or I think it might be Tokyo or it's Shanghai, but like they have a fucking full grown Navi, like walking around that looks better wow. than Avatar because those people have been pushing the envelope of animatronics, but movie making hasn't. So like, I just try to go back to that and try to push that stuff in a you know direction in a way that, you know, I wish that, other people did so we could still have that stuff like you know 3d printing we built a lot of the robot with 3d printing that didn't exist when animatronics were a thing so like what kind of new technologies would actually make animatronics better easier more agile stuff like that and it's unfortunate that there aren't a lot of people trying to figure this stuff out so you know we're sitting there trying to figure out how to do that shit but that's exciting to me you know um and it makes it feel more real and organic and cooler than you know shooting on digital in a white roomed house with fucking a cg robot coming in <laughs> no thanks and it looks great on screen as well. Another thing that looks great on screen is the blood that you, you use in the movie. I'm really curious though about working with blood on on in horror movies. Is there such a thing as an evolution of blood in in horror films? Is the blood that you used in your previous films different to the blood that you use now? Is it pretty much the same materials, the same uh, concepts behind it, or is there you know more budget, better blood? Is there such a thing uh, like that? No, it's it's all the same. Um, it, the only thing that changes it really depends on the look of the movie because uh, sometimes you need to go darker, you know, lighter. You know, and my movies are so dark. Sometimes, you know, if I have red lighting and the blood isn't dark enough, it doesn't stick out. Just so it's kind of just mixing like that. But it's always the same basic ingredients. Um, and then you know, there's a few different supplemental kind. You know, some of it has soap in it, so people need to. Um, if it's going to be on something that's easier to wash out, there's blood that you can swallow, stuff like that. So, but it's, it's always been the same. I think it's, I mean, I think it's probably been the same for at least the past few decades, same basic recipe, caro syrup and food coloring. <laughs> I also want to talk about the film soundtrack and I'm um, Steve Moore again, doing soundtrack for your film. You've worked with him for quite a, uh, a while now. He's just the, the way he approaches music in, in films is just really amazing. And I really do hope there's a soundtrack coming out for um, Christmas, bloody Christmas. Cause I'd buy it in, in a heartbeat. What's it yep, like there. working with Steve? What's the approach you usually have with him when it comes to uh, your films and uh, the um, philosophies behind how you want your films to sound in a soundtrack standpoint? Well, with Steve, I mean, we're just on the same like wavelength and, you know, we have the same um, we have the same interests and, you know, we like the same aesthetics. So we're a good pair already. You know, we we like the same things and have the same ideas about stuff. And because this is my fourth movie. Um, it's so much more, uh, he knows what I like. He knows what I'm going for. He knows kind of how I want things to sound. So it's, it's just so much easier to work with him. And, um, the thing with when we were cutting the movie, all my movies, we do a temp score, um, just to give like, it's just easier to kind of shape scenes or like, you know, ups and, and hills and valleys and find the breadth of the scene if you're temp scoring stuff. And also I like to use that as a blueprint. You know, that's kind of my overall direction to him as a composer. It's like, here's a blueprint of, kind of how i want the movie to sound and we use you know a lot of either stuff that he's done solo or from other albums or stuff that's in you know a lot of um cliff martinez and stuff that kind of sounds like him just give him and it's not like oh do exactly this it's kind of like here's the mood real mood board of what you want and then he'll come in and you know give us 
you know, fucking an awesome first take. And then we'll kind of go in there and minutely work, but like, it's getting easier. It's getting easier. Not easier is the wrong word. I think that we're getting to the place we need to get to faster because we understand each other. And the place that we ultimately get to is getting better and better. You know, I think each one of his scores gets, gets better and we do them faster and each one is more um, ingrained in the film than the last, I guess. Since you're a big heavy metal fan and I'm as well, I need to ask just a few questions in the style of debate that is shown in your film. And I just want to get your thoughts on it. Real, just real kind of quick questions. Number one, the Pantera upcoming tour. Reunion, legacy, whichever way it is, do you think it should happen or do you think they should just let the past be the past? Um, I think that having uh, Zach Wilde on guitar is a big step because it, it was Dimebag's best friend. So I think that that goes a long way. And um, the Paul brothers estates getting a cut of whatever happens and being happy with it, which, you know, they announced the state, the state that they were. Uh, it's not Pantera, but I'm going to go see it. And it's funny when they said that they were going to do a reunion. I was like, the only way I'd go see that is if it was somebody that, you know, Dimebag respected like Zach Wilde. And that's not going to fucking happen. And then mm. they announced it. And I'm like, well, all right, I guess I got to go. Um, but yeah. It, I'm cool with it. Next one. Ghost. Future of heavy metal or just a spooky ABBA? Um, I, neither. I don't like them at all. I, I don't understand how they're so big. <laughs> and finally, if there was one band who could have done a thrashing heavy metal Christmas album, who would you choose? Megadeth or Slayer? Megadeth. Megadeth. Oh, that would have been a pretty cool one, actually. I think so, too. I think hearing uh, Dave Mustaine's now Jingle Bells would have been awesome. Um, so for everyone out there listening, December 9 on Shudder is Christmas Bloody Christmas. I really recommend everyone check this movie out. We're really right now going through a really um, impressive time of like ho- Christmas horror titles. Um, we've got so many films coming out in regards to uh, Christmas time and uh, using characters like the Grinch and Santa Claus and putting them in a horror context. And I think uh, Christmas Bloody Christmas is the best one I've seen so far this year. And I really enjoyed your film, Joe. I really am a big fan of all of your movies. It's been a pleasure to talk to you today. And um, hopefully we can talk again in the future. Awesome, man. Thank you so much.